of the word, but um, and that doing part is so important um, because so many times we say the word and we meditate upon the word, but how do we apply the word in our lives in practical ways and partner with God? And so before I share my screen, um, again, I want to just thank everyone for being here and a special shout out. I don't do shout outs, but if I did, I want to do a special shout out to the book discussion um, group, the small intimate group that comes together on Saturdays. Um, uh, specifically, I want to also thank Apostle Pamela for your prayers this morning and also in communication with uh, uh, Apostle Teresa this morning who prayed um, for me um, and that um, what comes forward is not just something, a revelation that God gave, gave me, but it's always my hope that when God is speaking to me, that there's something that God wants me to carry forward to others. And so it is my prayer that as you listen, that you activate something inside of your mind that helps you to make these connections, not just what I'm speaking today, but that common thread um, that's been spoken through uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, even if the, the wording change or the title changes, is a common thread. And so I'm gonna share my screen and um, get us ready to proceed. Um, And I simply want to make sure everyone can see the screen. Does everyone see the screen there? I want to make sure. Yes, we can. Okay. Thank you so much. So, um, so my, the title for this uh, teaching today is called Focus. Um, and I use Hebrews 12 and 2, um, looking unto Jesus. And we know throughout the word, there are so many words that really uh, talk about focusing and, and, and what that means to look upon, to gaze upon, to set your mind. Uh, so this is particularly important to me because in the last couple of weeks, and maybe the last month or so, the Holy Spirit has really been speaking to me about how to get focused and how it comes from focus. Now, yesterday we had a discussion um, in, in the book discussion, and we helped each other use practical strategies on how to focus, like what does that look like in your life? So sometimes we meditate and we say and we confess to ourselves, I need to get focused, but what are we doing to partner with God? What are, you know, how are we applying our hands and our feet to that task so that we can become focused? Um, about a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to do just a brief presentation before um, the, the organization that I work for, um, the person who oversees it, my administrator, asked me to speak for maybe about 15 minutes about a project. And I noticed at the very beginning before she presented me that there were people who uh, began to talk about different topics. And so I was supposed to speak at a certain hour and then that turned into five minutes and then to 10 minutes and then to 15 minutes and to 20 minutes. And so here I was uh, beginning to speak about something but the conversation had went sideways and it just became a big potpourri of jointed ideas and thoughts. Um, and I thought to myself, this focus is not getting us anywhere. It was an ineffective use of time. It was, an, it was just ineffective and we wasted time, we wasted energy. And all those thoughts um, were probably legitimate that I think I know the Holy Spirit was saying to me, there's something no matter where you are, there's something about getting focused that creates a power um, that you're able to move more effectively. You're able to minister. You're maybe you're able to administrate. And so I'm just so thankful that uh, in this hour with this um, book discussion that we were able to talk about these 
uh, practical uh, strategies that we have for one another. And so, again, my prayer is that you will hear something in here. There'll be a scripture, an example, something that you can apply to your life in real time, not something that you will say, huh, I'm going to uh, apply this later, but in real time. Um, the other day I said to a student of mine, do you realize that yesterday is gone forever? And the student said to me, what do you mean gone forever? I said, yesterday is not here and tomorrow is not promised, but you know what we do have? And he said, what? I said, we have now. And his eyes got real big, like, yeah, we do, I guess. But in that moment, I think he realized that when time has passed on, and if we don't utilize and maximize what we have right now, that we waste time and, and we don't become efficient and effective at what we do. So just a review of what um, I'll talk about today, and this won't be very long um, because I am interested in, in hearing what others have to say about focus. But we're, of course, we always go over the core foundations. I think that's so important. I love the scribal conservatory and I love the vision of, of, of Apostle Teresa. I love her vision because it keeps us rooted. It keeps us uh, anchored in something. Like we're not like tossed like the wind going to and fro. I think, you know, and Apostle Teresa talked about, I, I think that I believe in that. Now I believe in this. But when you become anchored in these principles and foundations, you know in what stream to flow. And then I'll talk a little bit about what's called, you know, I do a little alliteration here because I love alliteration, but connections, convergence, and conciliance. And they're just fancy words for coming together in unity. <laughs> and I'll talk a little bit about the mind of Christ, how the mind of Christ is so magnanimous, like a web, um, the universe. And we'll talk a little bit about defining focus and, and the, the progenitor of focus, the exemplar, the one supreme, the blueprint for focus. We'll talk about some examples um, in the life and the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ. And then for you, a time of activation and self-reflection to think about your purpose and your priorities. So of course, uh, I'll know uh, these four uh, core facts about renewing the spirit of our minds and um, transformation. But I wanna stick a pin in this word transformation because we hear that word a lot. And what I found is that sometimes when talking to people in different disciplines and different areas, that people use the word like if I say the word, then transformation just comes. It's instantaneous. Like this is something mystical and magic that happens because it's, let's just face it, transformation sounds like it's a really nice word. Um, and it's a powerful word in its meaning. But what we, we're learning here at the conservatory is that transformation is a change. And it doesn't necessarily happen instantaneously. That is incremental. Um, it's a buzzword, yeah, but I think that um, when we really dig into that word, and again, when we partner with God, we see these increments of change such that the day, each day we move on, it doesn't look like the day before, you know? So that's where we begin to see transformation. Um, also, elevating Christ is another one that we really um, uphold. I, When I thought about preparing this, I was trying to think about people. I love the Old Testament. So I was trying to think about biblical uh, figures and, you know, what are things that they did in their life where they showed they were focused. And the Holy Spirit just said, you don't have to look at Old Testament. Um, you can look at the life of Christ. And so I had to continue to renew my mind to 
how Jesus Christ is the blueprint for focus. <laughs> the greatest, the greatest force, the greatest word that ever walked the earth. So if I want a blueprint and I want to know what it means to focus, why not look at the one whose plan was the best plan, whose strategy was the best strategy? And that's not to say that um, we can't look at biblical figures or Old Testament in the Old Testament and see their lives, because certainly, you know, we have those who are part of the Hall of Faith. We have so many stories to be to be edified and encouraged and inspired by. But there's something about elevating Christ that really kind of gets it together. And then lastly, understanding, increasing our understanding. I like this um, particular verse in Proverbs that when it says, when wisdom enters your hearts and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Discretion will preserve you. Discretion will preserve you. And that is also something that undergirds our, our focus. Discretion will preserve you. So having focus enables you to use your discretion and it preserves you in your mind. It preserves you in your body. It allows you to know what keep the first things, first things first, essentially. And so I just wanted to kind of review those core tenets, um, foundations of the conservatory. Um, and so um, I, I talk about the core values and the foundation. And again, those are those three words, um, connect, convergence and consilience. And one of the things that I love is that the, at the very beginning of uh, our meetings, there's always a time for us to have testimony where someone is talking about a word that really ignited them, a word that was spoken, um, maybe they heard it before, but in that time and place, it, it took that person at that time in that to deliver that word and it's, it did something to us. And so I love how God keeps us tethered uh, in our thinking and our, in th our doing. And there's this convergence of coming together. You know, we call it cornea, we call it community, but we create unity and conformity in coming together. So it may be Prophet L.A. who's talking about the performing arts. It may be Minister Veruva who's talking about, uh, you know, financial literacy. It may be Minister Sam who always has something practical for us about, you know, metacognition or psychology. It may be Apostle Pamela who talks about, you know, uh, forgiveness. But God has a way of using all that he's given us so that there's this convergence of these ideas, the way he gave it to us. But there's a stream that we flow in. Um, and then lastly, consilience. Um, I like this word because I like the way that it sounds, but I also like what it means. Um, and I like this word because it focuses on the omnipotence of God. Um, so many times in our lives, because if you're a person that, you know, works outside of the home or you go to an agency or an organization and you go there and you're in a particular field, sometimes people um, believe that you have to be one way in this area in another way when we're in church. Um, and so I love that consilience um, shows us that we don't have to have this duplicity in our lives. That God is omnipotent that in the sciences and in psychology and the literary arts, wherever it is, uh, performing arts and engineering. So consilience just simply means that when we are called to do the will of God, that whatever discipline that God has given us that skill set to master that that Holy Spirit guides us creatively in that area, such that that the Spirit of the Living God 
the principle of God's that God gives us a prophetic lens to use what we're called to do, but to see his spiritual principles in everything, to see a spiritual, spiritual principle in science, you know, to see it in whatever you do, see it in education. And so I love how God just keeps us together. And again, these are just some examples on the screen here of what we've had about prophetic navigation. Your prophet LA spoke to us last week. She's done one and two, and, and we want her to do more. And Apostle Teresa talked to us about the apostolic, about the Ephesians 4, 11. She's talked to us about breaking those seals. She's talked to us about if we want to know the apostolic, to focus on Jesus and how it flows, the apostolic flows from him. And then, of course, you know, we kicked off the new year with where we located, you know, not just geographically, but where we located spiritually. So I think all of these, again, converge and connects us together. And, and those of you who are uh, Facebook friends, with, I can see on your post how there's been a phrase or word um, and how there are things you're doing in your respective lives that keeps you tethered to what's coming through this ministry. And I, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So um, many times when I'm, I'm thinking about uh, coming together with other people in Cornea, when we have these bursts of ideas that come from us. Um, yesterday, I believe that um, I said web and then Joanne said spiral. And so um, one of the things that um, I thought about is that when we endeavor to live this immersive life in Christ, it gives us immediate access to the mind of Christ. Immediate, like you don't have to be delayed. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to wait, you know, I can have the mind of Christ in two hours. You know, I can have the mind of Christ. Just give me 30 seconds and I'll tap into the mind of Christ. We have an immediate access to the mind of Christ. Immediate, which is, which is profound. And we have access to the truth, the only truth that leads to eternal life. So for me, when I, when I think about uh, the mind of Christ, visually, there's this beam of light that, that keeps us focused no matter what we do. Keeps us focused. The mind of Christ, uh, unlike us, it's not disjointed. There's no duplicity. There's no misunderstanding. The mind of Christ does not bring confusion. The mind of Christ does not bring miseducation. The mind of Christ does not bring misinformation. It's exact. It's precise, right? When the word of God says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That is pretty profound, for lack of a better word. So the mind of Christ is a light that permeates us, it radiates us, it moves in us and through us, and allows us to be living epistles. And then we are dispatched all over the world to do the will of the Lord, because we can. We have taken on the mind of Christ to do his will. What is the will? If we have the mind of Christ, we know already. Already we know the mind of Christ. And so if I could, um, I know recently um, during the prophetic gathering, I was unable to make that meeting, but there was uh, some discussion about AI. Um, and I've been trying to read a little bit about AI. And I know that, uh, you know, you can work in tandem. I don't think it's anything that we should be fearful of. But again, as Apostle Teresa said, as um, New Covenant scribes, that there's something in it for us. And so 
we we are uh, we should be frontiers. We should be the innovators of that. Um, and so, if I could use some kind of AI technology, I would have it to generate what does this web and the spiral look like, so that I could visually um, see how the mind of Christ works. You guys still with me? You still with me? <laughs> So I'm gonna uh, take a, a look, and we all know what focus is, but you know, I think definitions are important so that we're all not just on the same page, but in the, and not just in the same paragraph, but we're at the same line. <laughs> Sometimes we're on the same page. You're on paragraph two. I'm on paragraph four. We got to be on the same <laughs> on the same page, same paragraph, same line, right? So um, definitions keep us uh, together, keep us moving forward. So then we don't have any contention when we start talking about a concept or an idea, but that we, we're in alignment with one another. And so this one comes from Cambridge. Um, and again, main central point, attention or interest, careful attention uh, that's given to a task or the ability to give your full attention to something. So I thought about it again, that's the anchor scripture for today, Hebrews 12. And two, um, one of the reasons why I like this one, this is the only scripture that is not the New King James. This is amplified. But look at that first one. It says, looking away from all that will distract us. Looking away from all that would distract us. I don't know about you, but it's difficult sometimes for me when I know I have an assignment or project to do to even work inside of my home because Oftentimes I find myself not looking away from the distractions. I'm looking to the distractions. Like there are two cups in the sink. I must go over and wash those cups. You know, uh, there are two uh, two loads of laundry downstairs. I must go downstairs and wash those clothes. How else will they get washed if I don't wash them? And so instead of looking away, I look towards distractions. And that's some things that I had to work out. You know, is am I teetering on procrastination, um, un, uh, afraid of what will happen, uh, slothfulness? I mean, we got to be real with ourselves, a little lazy. Um, but I love that line that says, looking away from the distraction, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of faith. And I love this part in parentheses. Um, and if you're like me and anyone else, you know that sometimes when you read scripture you read it you've read it several times and then it just that scripture just hit differently when you read it the next time you love whoo it hit a little different so i love the way that the amplifier says the first incentive for our belief the first incentive well here we are that that the, the, the faith has been birthed with us and within us and jesus is the incentive what a great incentive if you you don't need anything else if you you don't need anything else um, because not only do you have that as your first incentive, but Jesus will bring that to maturation. That faith just continues to grow through the word of God because how else will they know unless they hear? And so that's how we grow our faith. And then the next uh, definition of focus, which I thought again was pretty profound. Um, and this is in science. Um, and I found it um, a little bit um, 
I find myself, the older I get, all those things that I should have been paying attention to when I was younger, I probably would have built something in my mind, which is called schema, some prior knowledge so I can make connections. So in, when I was younger in physics, I didn't particularly care for physics, but now I'm fascinated with physics. But I love what this says about focus. Focus is the point where waves of light, of waves of light or sound that are moving towards each other meet. That is so beautiful, the waves of light. So we walk in the light, as he walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And also sound, think about the sound um, of, of when we pray uh, in union, uh, in unison together. Think about the, the, how we create a, a surge of sound, how focused and powerful that is. Think about that, that when we amplify our voices, um, that it's it's uh it's not just the sounds but it's our hearts intents coming together. Um, in First Thessalonians tells us that we comfort one another, we edify one another. James five tells us that we pray for another, and we 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 have to remember in Acts two when uh, you know they they continue with the apostles' doctrine, they broke bread, fellowship, and prayers. So it is waves of light and sound that come together. And so I thought this was very important as we talk about focus, why it's why focus is important and what are the ramifications of focusing. Now, this one was a little bit different for me. I because um, I work in a place where um, there are young people from who represent over 100 different na nations and they speak 100 different languages. Um, I always want to find out what are translations in other languages. And so I thought that I would translate focus, um, the Greek translation, because focus, as you know, if you did a word study, you got your biblical conco uh, concordance. You won't see that. You'll see other words for focus. This is interesting to me. Estia, which is as a noun, is actually a fireside, a fireplace, a hearth. And a hearth is actually the home or the creative center. Huh. So focusing is a creative center, right? Remember that God is omnipotent, creating all things, having unlimited powers of creation. And um, focus as a verb is sincentrino. Sincentrino, which again means to collect, to concentrate, to bring together, to center. But this was again really fascinating to me when I think about focus and being that home, right? Being that creative center. We don't know what we can generate when we come together. We're concentrated in our efforts and we focus. I think we increase our ability to exponentially to be creative, to be innovative and, and um, really to frontier. We do that when we come together. And so again, we've been talking about uh, for the last couple of weeks, focus. Um, I've been reading, connecting, apprehending spiritual realities, Dr. Kulani Spake's book. Um, in it, there's a lot, as, as Apostle Pamela said, you can take one page and you can go deep, deep, deep with this. Um, just wonderful. And then we enrich the discussion through all the nuggets that we add to it. And it's all connected to what we talk about on Tuesday and on Sundays. And that's why I love it. Um, 
But Dr. K says on page 115 in connecting, the focus of our inner man, our passion, our thoughts and affections reveal what we truly love, our treasures. And we all know that. You know, the things that we give our attention to, undivided attention, undivided attention um, to, that reveals the treasure. Um, and then on page 116, she says, plugging yourself into the ability to focus is like connecting into a power source of life. It's like an injection uh, uh, being ignited. When you plug yourself, when you um, purpose yourself to, to, to be focused, right? To look away from distractions, you are plugging into source, an energy that ignites you and, and helps you to perform the task better. So this is pretty profound. We talked about this yesterday and, and thank God for um, all of those who were there. Um, Minister Sam always has very practical things that she adds. Like we talk about it a lot, but it's like, this is what I did. Um, she's a solutionist, I should say. So thank God for her um, and thank God for everyone who is in, in that discussion so that we can know what does that look like in real time, right? I know I need to focus. I've been, I've been, I've been having some practice, some practicing some things that's not keeping me focused. So what can I do? And then God says, hey, this person has the answer. And I, I want to talk a little bit also about the myth of multitasking. We talked about that a lot. Um, so when we think about, you may be sitting in your study at your kitchen table and you've endeavored to read the word You're during your time of devotion or during your time of just studying notes from previous. Um, but you may decide, you know, I can do this and put a pot on at the same time, or I can do this and text this person. And there's a myth to multitasking. Um, it's, it's not good for our mental health. Um, and I picked up something that came from an article in Psychology Today that says that we, where our brains are not wired to code switch like that. And we pay a price in time and energy. In essence, when we decentralize our efforts, we are less efficient and effective, right? Instead of focusing, we defocus, we decentralize that. And it impacts us in a greater way. We see the ramifications of it later because we've done things not with the spirit of excellence as Christ, who's the progenitor of excellence. So instead we, we're producing things that are subpar, right? We're half doing things. Uh, sometimes we do things, we're trying to multitask, we forget something. But when we focus, again, we plug into the power source of life and, and, and it's, it's more powerful, it's more effective, it gets the job done, right? And we retain that information and we retain that experience um, in a better way. So I, I also want to go through some other places in the Bible where you, again, may not see focus, but we all... Um, know that there are many things in the Bible that talks about focus, how, you know, we fix in our gaze, you know, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you, gaze as in, make sure your heart, the spirit of your heart, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, um, setting your minds, right? Set your mind, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. We've talked about that before, about how I think 
There've been several messages where we talked about sometimes as humans, we default to negativity. We don't set our mind on things that are above. We don't uh, look, think towards the eternal intentions of things. And that's just something that we have um, as human beings. You know, I'm, I'm sure some of you have read things about how human beings, 10% of their brain power. You know, what would happen if we maximize that and set our eyes and set our minds on things above? I think it would catapult us into functioning at a, at a, at a different level. But we got to practice that. Um, and also Philippians 4 and 8, we know it. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Gaze on these things, right? Whatsoever is just, the just, the pure, the lovely, the good report, it's, uh, those that it be of any praise, you know, things that are virtuous, like gaze upon those things. Um, and so lastly, Psalms 121 says, I lift my eyes unto the hills, right? So, you know, we can speak about this, you know, for, for some of us, you know, it is, uh, uh, how should I say, a practical thing that we, you know, some people when they pray, they do look up. We're talking about spiritually to look up, right? To gaze upon, to, to set in motion so that we know who we are connected to and anchored in. And so I just wanted to um, give those as some examples of other phrases and words that um, that call for us to be focused in what we're doing. Um, and this is the, the last part of uh, the teaching. Um, the last part is the best part because we're talking about the exemplar of focus, Jesus Christ. And um, so many examples. Um, I don't know about you. You know, sometimes, oh, goodness, uh, there are so many people, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Caroline Lee calls the Christianese. But you know how sometimes when you're in conversations and you're in conversations with a believer and, and maybe there's been a conversation and you're going back and forth and you're trying to pull something out of him or her to let them know that they're better than that. Um, and you might get a response like, you know, I'm not Jesus. You know, there are different phrases that people use and, you know, yeah, I'm not this, I'm not that. But I think a life, an immersive life in Christ calls us to be mature and to look at the life as the exemplary life of Jesus as he focused. And so um, this scripture is Luke 5, 15. Um, and it says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Oh, Jesus was focused. Oh, he was focused. I, I thought about this. I was like, you know how you've read before, like the ministry of Jesus and where he traveled? You know, they have the, some of those anthropological uh, uh, Bibles, have the map of where he traveled. These are some of the places he traveled. Of course, Nazareth and Sephora and Cana and Hittan and Arba and Sea of Galilee and Capernaum and Tabak and Mount of, 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 of Beatitudes. And then he had these alternate routes of Tobias and the Jordan River. Then he went to Mount Tabar and Mount Persephone. I mean, all these different places. There's a lot of folks, they saw Jesus. And, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, right? And Jesus began to teach, they hadn't heard anything like that before in healing. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine you're traveling all those different places? Of course, you know, social media didn't, that was, that was real time. Uh, social media right there. All these different places that Jesus is traveling, all these voices, all these people reaching for him, talking, heal me, you know, listening. I want to hear, give me a word, you know. Uh, we hear that some, you know, we don't know what, what was being said. So all these people were there. But what did Jesus do? He withdrew. I got to pray. I got to hear from the Father, right? So, so what, 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 is, how is that an example for us? Like today, if you think about it, we are living in a society where there is inundation of information. We're overloaded with data. You got social media, you got phone calls, you got other media outlets, you got your family, you got your friends. They all scrambling and vying for your attention, right? Because they think that because you have something they need or something that they want, right? How do we respond to that? Do we get get into it and you know, just, you know, kind of all over the place in a frenzy and we develop some kind of double-bindedness because we're trying to listen to this. God has told us to do this. We listen to that. So how do we do, do we withdraw? Do we say enough is enough? I, I need to, I need to go somewhere and sit down. I need to meditate because I'm doing too much. And in fact, if I do it too much, I become addicted to distractions. So we have to really have these conversations in stillness with God and allow Holy Spirit to guide us. But we we cannot say that we were not given an example. We were definitely given an example. And so the, the next uh, also comes from Luke 4 and uh, in, in 14. Um, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee, right? So prior to this, Jesus um, was fasting, right? The scripture tells us he was fasted for 40 days. He was tempted. I say he comes there and he, hey, Jesus come on the scene. He's got the spirit of the, he's the spirit, the living word walking, right? He turns and this is, you know, you, you, I just, I think the Bible is just magnificent because like I just imagine Jesus walking into the synagogue and give him, you know, they give him, uh, you know, um, you know, give him the book of, of Isaiah. <clears throat> Jesus opened the book. You know, I've been anointed to preach, proclaim liberty, set the captives free, recover sight to the blind, set liberty those who were oppressed, proclaim the acceptable. I mean, it was the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, it, it was clear. You talk about focus. He, he knew he was focused, right? Close, close the book, sit down, right? Everybody's looking at him like, is this Joseph's baby boy? He's shown up know a lot more than I thought that he was supposed to know. You talk about clear, concise, just clarity in what his mission was, right? Right. So we're going to juxtaposition that to us as believers. We already have the spirit of the living God inside of us. Holy Spirit dwells in us. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that. You don't realize that wherever we go. Wherever we go, Holy Spirit dwells within us, right? So we don't need to be addicted to distractions because we have Holy Spirit that calls to our remembrance, teaches us in all things, would have us to examine ourselves in a way that we need to be intentional, we need to be focused, and we need to be confident that the word is what God said the word is, that if we ask according to his will, that he hears us, right? 
Jesus gave us that example, just clear example of how to function with clarity and be focused. And then lastly, um, I, I, I took a look at John 6, 29, and then look at uh, 38 through 40. Um, and let's just look at John 6, 29. So Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent, right? Jesus said, this is the work of God. And then 38 through 40 says, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of God that sent me, right? I only say what the father say. I only do what the father does, right? So I, and, and this is the father's will, which has sent me, that all of which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of God that sent me, that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. <laughs> Again, excuse me, very clear. There's clarity, right? There's, there's no confusion about what the will of the Lord is. <laughs> no confusion about what he's supposed to do. So how does that apply to us, right? We know we are living in a world of, of narcissism. I call it cult of personality. The, the the things that we see people we you know we got a lot of fluff out there we got clips we got glamour we have emergence of man worshiping you know man idol worshiping like who look at this person right you got promotion of world systems but our focus has to be on christ right so what does that mean when we're ministering to someone when we're praying for someone perhaps we we are taking someone we're we're helping them financially um, that everything that we do, that it points back to the Father. Everything that we do. Why? Because it can be easy. Someone gives you accolades and they're applauding you and they're telling you how great of a human being you are. If you don't point them into the direction of Christ, and you can get sucked into that and say to yourself, I am such a magnificent person, right? So these are the things that Christ showed us in his example throughout his life, right? We have to point to the work of the father, point to the will of God, right? Does that mean you go around and you have this false sense of humility when someone, you, when someone has thanked you and you say, oh, it's not I, it's the will. No, there's a way that Holy Spirit can teach you to interact and engage people so that they know that you are being used of the Lord, that you're just working in tandem in partnership with God. So humility is good, but not false humility, right? And certainly not narcissism. And certainly not uh, this like ex ex uh, exploding with all of this uh, propaganda and about your, your gifts and calling. Everything must go back to the Father. And that's how we get focused. That's how we plug in into the power source of life. That's how we work in cornea, right? So understanding that um, whatever we have, we have because, you know, it's it's like Ephesians 4.11. Those gifts that, that Christ gave us that, right? So that we can bless others. But it all flows through a stream of love. Ultimately, love. Ultimately, the covenant that we have with our Father. And so lastly, I want to leave you with this, called purpose and priorities, a self-assessment. And um, if you're like me, you're constantly... Uh, assessing yourself because you want to do the right thing. You want to make sure that you're on par. Um, you want to make sure 
that you're endeavoring to do to do your best. And you know, sometimes Tuesdays don't look well, depending on how you start today. Thursdays might be a little better, but a self-assessment is really good. And communion with the sweet communion with the Father, not a rush, but a focused, intentional, scheduled part. And even if it's throughout the day, that communion with the Father. So these are a couple of questions that I want you to answer for yourself. Can you identify your treasures? Are they aligned with the core values and virtues of God? Are your treasures things that are purely tangible, right? Uh, you know, how do you resist distractions? We all have distractions in our lives. Sometimes we're in workplaces and help but be a distraction. But in all things, we have a choice. We have a choice. In all things, we have a choice, right? Are you a multitasker? Are you one of those persons that says, I'll get this done, I'll get that done and get that done because I need to knock out, right? And how effective and efficient are you when you're trying to multitask, right? What practical strategies do you use to focus? How do you focus? Something practical that you can apply in real time. Not a, a like a little quick, you know how sometimes there's a meme or there's a short little video on short, nine tips to get, you know, get settled quickly. You know, here's a strategy, You here's a, here's a, here's a hack, here's a, you know, a focus hack, right? We want the real thing. We want to look at the blueprint of Christ, right? Can you identify progress in your life because of focus? And then like, how do you, excuse me, there's an error on there. How do you read, write, and I call them like, it's kind of like multi-literacy. How do you read, write, listen, and speak the word of God to develop focus through biblical literacy, which is so important. The, the listening the speaking, speaking, the writing, and the reading, the, the developing that together so that you are strengthening your biblical literacy because that give, that fortifies you to have focus. You have it around you. And so I really hope, Father God, that um, there was something that was said today. I pray that there was a word, a scripture. I pray that um, all of those who are listening, that they are reflecting on their lives, wherever they are, and that those things that have become distractions to them, that they're thinking now um, and, and they're able to apply those strategies, they're able to get plugged into the power source, they're understanding that they cannot function effectively in duplicity, that biblical literacy is a part of that. And every time they feel themselves being drawn to distraction, that you call to their remembrance how to get back on track and how to flow into that stream of focus. So, Father, we thank you for everyone uh, in this meeting today. Um, we thank you just for Holy Spirit leading and guiding. And um, we just look forward to those who want to share possibly testimonies or ways to help one another. And so thank you guys so much um, for listening in today. Um, and that is the end.